Good morning, all, and welcome to this week's episode of the CEO MomCast. I have with me Kelly and Melanie, the founders behind Crunchy. Um, They are another one of my brands that I'm interviewing as part of the Modern Day Wife So Let's Shop event in Beverly Hills. I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to you, ladies, so you can tell us a bit about Crunchy, how you got started, and uh, where the business idea came from. Sounds great. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Um, as she said, my name is Melanie Petschke, and I am a board-certified nurse practitioner and like one of the co-founders of Crunchy. And we launched Crunchy way back in 2016. Um, <laughs> but to really tell you where our story began, you want to go back even farther than that to um i would say 12 years back 12 and a half years back and i know that date exactly because that is my the age of my oldest son so i was living in seattle at the time and um was pregnant with my now 12 and a half year old declan and like many many women i hear this was the phase of life when i really started to pay attention and open my eyes to the environmental impact around us. So I started paying attention uh, when I was pregnant to the food I was bringing to the ho- my home and the food I was eating. I was transitioning over to eating more organic food and non-GMO food and reducing the amount of processed food I was eating, switching over products in my house like cleaning detergents and, um, and sunscreen and paying attention to things like flame retardants in <laughs> pajamas and all sorts of things. And that is really when my journey began into living a cleaner lifestyle and reducing my personal body burden. Uh, And at this time, like I said, I was living in Seattle and I really owe it to my (laughs) Crunchy with a Y Seattle Moms group to help starting me open my eyes as a consumer and making better choices uh, as I was bringing this newborn baby into, into our family. Uh, And it was really fascinating time of life because here I was a board certified family nurse practitioner. And one of the main reasons that I chose to go into this field was because it was a career path that I knew focused on disease prevention and health promotion. But I had never been taught any of this information when I was in school. Uh, There had never been a single course training on the potential impact of environmental toxins uh, so when I started learning all of this information, it absolutely blew my mind and I just wanted to learn more and I wanted to understand more uh, because prevention as a nurse practitioner was, did you get your annual pap smear? You know, have you had your mammogram? <laughs> that that really was the definition of what I was taught in school, but prevention was not what ingredients are in your deodorant. Um, are you slathering uh endocrine disruptors on your skin and 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 potential carcinogens are you polluting um your indoor air with air fresheners that have loads of vocs Uh, this was definitely not what i was was taught in school as a nurse practitioner so when in 2012 when my son was born uh, we ended up moving all the way to south florida from seattle and Shortly after that was um, when I had my second child who I ended up advancing my fluency in label reading and ingredient detective work even further um, based on a diagnosis, a GI diagnosis that she had when she was born. So for, um, for that period of time, it, it basically 
took the information and the interest and put it into overdrive. And I just continued to learn more and more about nutrition and ingredients and environmental impact. And really at that time, it highlighted some of the major gaps also in mainstream medicine, which was also really fascinating to me. But the good news about that time of life, I was extremely fortunate because that was when I had the privilege of meeting Kelly Kreuzler, the other founder of, of Crunchy. And I will let her take it from there in terms of where our story went. <laughs> I would say it the other way around. I would say I had the privilege of meeting Melanie Pejke, the other co-founder of Crunchy. But yes, we uh, we met when Melanie moved to uh, to South Florida. And um, we actually met at a mom's night out, which is so funny. It was a mom's night out. I was moving to a new town within Florida and I didn't know anyone. And a friend had invited me to this mom's night out. I wanted to meet new moms. So I went there and I sat next to Melanie. <laughs> and we we instantly hit it off. Um, we had kids around the same age. Um, so we instantly hit it off. And then we quickly realized that we both were on a journey to live a more toxin-free lifestyle. We were both um, looking at how can we make our lifestyles and our family and our households um, just have less environmental factors in it and, and, and live a more toxin-free lifestyle. So we really bonded over that. And the one area that we could not find a good alternative to, to switch over for a, a less toxic lifestyle was cosmetics. It was cosmetics. We could not find a brand that was truly safe and met our standards and really met Melanie's standards because she is the guru ingredients um, uh, and uh, still performed. So we would find brands that were had great ingredients and were safe, but then we would go to, to use them and the performance was terrible. It, the, the foundation would barely spread. It was super cakey. The pigments would not last. Um, it didn't even look like you had makeup on. It was kind of like, why bother? <laughs> um, and then we also found products that were greenwashed, that were marketed as safe, but were filled with all the potentially harmful ingredients that were in you know, your conventional cosmetics. So we were just frustrated that there was not an option that had both. And one day I had the crazy idea that, hey, Mel, we should take on the challenge of creating a cosmetic line um, that's truly safe and performs. No one's doing it. We can't find it anywhere. It's so frustrating. I wanna wear makeup. I wanna feel confident. I wanna look beautiful, but I also wanna be safe. And I don't wanna put potentially harmful ingredients on my skin every day. Like there are lots of people that want this, like let's do it. And, and Melanie, tell them what you said. <laughs> I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I thought Kelly was crazy. I Here we were with these two young toddlers and each, so four kids <laughs> total. And I thought she was out of her mind. Um, but I'll be honest, <laughs> I, I thought about it for, you know, a little bit. And I started kind of turning my entrepreneurial wheels and I started the challenge started to grow on me. So I, she quickly got me on board and I, we began our journey. <laughs> <laughs> but so I thought that this audience then, was there. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, question then, um, Melanie, you said you focused on family practice. Was this an easy transition for you guys or was this a huge learning curve for both of you? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. So at the time I was working, I had I had what I would consider in the past the perfect balance of being a mother and a family nurse practitioner. I had a part-time schedule and it was all outlined and I had this excellent 
time balance. And it completely turned that upside down because I continued to practice and wanted to maintain my license. And, and I also still wanted to be a mom and be there for my kids. And then like, you throw a, a business on top of that. So uh, I continued to practice part-time. And then I um, realized very quickly as we started to grow the demand, I backed down the number of hours I was working as a nurse practitioner. And then I went to per diem and then eventually phased that out just because the at the time, you know, really what was sacrificing was my family and my <laughs> those other priorities that were just getting cut out of the mix. So that was a hard decision. I still maintain my license and I um and I'm able to keep my, you know, my board certification and everything going, but uh it is definitely my full-time fo focus at this time, Scrunchy. And Kelly, was the transition hard for you? Were you working or were you able to stay at home prior to starting Crunchy? Yes, I was working as well. I was actually in pharmaceutical sales, which is such oh. a contradiction <laughs> to the lifestyle that we were living and thinking about. So I was struggling on a value level in many ways of, um, you know, here I am. This is a career that I'm in, but yet I don't really fully agree with it. So I was struggling in many ways on that. So for me, I would say the transition was um, a little easier because I was really ready to get out of that and do something different. Um, so it was an easier transition for me. And I went uh, right away into full-time crunchy um, as far as the operational piece of it when we launched. But when we launched, we actually launched out of my house. So uh, <laughs> we used my office as our little office. The guest bedroom was our fulfillment center and we fulfilled the orders. We shipped the orders. We had people come by the house and pick up orders. Um, so we were, you know, a, a very, very small team and um, really grew this organically, no pun intended, but really grew it, you know, one customer at a time when we first started. That's great. And I think it speaks volumes that you both come from a mainstream health care background. It tells you what you see, what needs to be changed, and that people are willing to make the change. I mean, I still currently work in mainstream health care. And it's crazy. I don't want to say that we're not happy because everybody has to have medical care and care for people. But it, I mean, the industry as a whole does just need an overhaul. There are so many other viable options out there, whether it be what you're putting in your body or, you know, living a healthy lifestyle. So it's great to see people who have started out in the mainstream and kind of transitioned to realize that there are other pieces to it. It definitely fueled our passion. I mean, we don't actually talk about this a lot, but the reality is, is Kelly and I were in a... Um, uh, just submerged in so much illness and so much focus on treating illness. And it was so backwards from why I got into healthcare in the first place. And it was, mm -hmm. it, got, it got to the point where it was exhausting. So while it was challenging to walk away as a practitioner, I, I, it was actually refreshing to be able to shift that focus and really truly focus on prevention and preventing illness versus just treating, 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 and having somebody walk in with, you know, a host of diagnoses and, 15 pharmaceutical prescriptions and not be able to have the time <laughs> right you know even counsel about alternatives because our healthcare system is really broken and has a lot of challenges so we've touched on this a little bit but now that the kids are older um how is balancing your personal lives and running this business you did also mention that you have um staff kind of spread out across the country 
Yes, um, I, it's definitely shifted from the early days. You know, when we first launched, it was full startup mode. So we were doing everything, absolutely everything. Now, obviously, we have a full corporate team. We have a huge fulfillment center. Um, and um, it's really shifted as far as even our responsibilities. And I think Mel and I are both in a better place as far as balance with um, with the families um, and being able to uh, work our business really around the needs of our family. Uh, before it was kind of like you felt like you were had this wild tiger and we were just holding on by the tail because it was just growing so fast, right? And we're just trying to like manage this growth. Now we're in a really great, great spot and great situation with the team that we've brought in. And um, and it's given us really that great flexibility to be able to work the business around the needs of our family, which is really nice. And something we really both value. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I feel also we have improved tremendously over the years at prioritization <laughs> and really setting our boundaries and and dividing our time so we're not trying to do it all all the time and and this is a constant work in progress i am fully admit that i need to always strive to do better at this because it's so easy to slip back into old habits but really trying to be present in the moments with your team members and your and your focus on your business and to be present in the moment when you do have those precious that precious time with your children. And there, of course, there are always <laughs> times when those paths will cross and it's inevitable, especially, you know, some in the most recent years, we've had some very unique circumstances just based on things going on um, in our world. But uh, I think that as long as we come back to that understanding and learning the prioritization and really being aware that we're going to do a better job when we are fully present at each of those versus trying to do an okay job at, at, and everything all the time. And that is definitely a skill that is constantly evolving. <laughs> do you think that's a mom thing or do you think that all women struggle with that regardless if they're a mom or not, because you literally just feel like you're pulled in 50 different directions at once to make everybody happy. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I, I, I see it, it because I'm so close to it as a mom. That is the the version of this that I'm obviously the most familiar with, but it can absolutely be something for all women that they uh, are managing or juggling when it comes to the, the many commitments or facets and, and learning to prioritize um, your time and, and really truly make the time for the things that are most important to you. And I use the term I try to catch myself instead of saying I, I didn't have the time. I didn't choose to have the time <laughs> because you always can rearrange the priorities and it, ultimately. That's very true. I, I think that's one of those things, you know, we try to prioritize, but it might not always necessarily be in the correct order that's needed for the day. But I'm also not one of those, you know, I look at my schedule first thing in the morning and I'm like, we're going to do our best, <laughs> but you just never know what's going to be needed that day. <laughs> um, so what is one thing that you guys learned about running um, and starting your own business? Because neither one of you are entrepreneurs prior to this, correct? Correct. Yes, this is our, our first. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think we both had the entrepreneurial spirit, but this was really our first um, kind of official, I would say, business. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is 
two, two things. Number one, I think taking a risk and going for it is so important and it's so, um, underrated in our, you know, I think some people think they need to have a plan and think everything through and know everything, but really sometimes you just got to jump and figure it out on the way down. I know that sounds crazy and scary, but sometimes that's the only way you're going to learn and the only way you're going to do it. So I always think just take that risk. If someone's thinking of doing something, take that risk, take that small jump. You don't have to invest tons of money and get all this stuff. No, just take that small jump to start. And then you learn something and then you adjust and you learn and you adjust. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing is, is as an entrepreneur, just knowing that, uh, having confidence to take that risk and knowing that you're going to figure it out on the way. And then the second thing for me is just reflection. I think having that self-reflection, even as a mom, as a, as a, um, as a team leader is so incredibly important to be able to look at yourself and say, okay, here are my strengths. Here are my areas that I'm not so good at. I need to either improve on, or I need to set some boundaries around. Like I know I am not a good afternoon person. So after three o'clock, I prefer not to have any hard meetings or any tough decisions after three, because I'm not going to be my best. So I learned that right during this, this last eight years. Um, so things like that, but having that self-reflection to be able to honestly hold a mirror up to yourself and look at yourself as a mom, as a, as a wife, as a business owner and say, you know, where are my strengths and where are my weaknesses and how can I better uh, be the best version of myself? That's great. Uh, I find it so um, perfect that Kelly's first example was the do it scared and dive right in because the reality is, is that characteristic is why we're here because I am the one to tend to you know, want it to be perfect and have everything complete and everything tied up and practice and and be able to implement <laughs> instrumentally at the right perfect time. But if it wasn't for Kelly who pushed that very first jump off the cliff start starts, um, we probably would have been in that mode a lot longer. So that's definitely something that I have. We complement one another each other nicely in that way, as I tend to be a little bit more methodical, and um, and I definitely. I'm grateful for that characteristic in her, which, which balances nicely. But I would say one thing that I have, that I keep going back to that has been such a strong opportunity for learning for us is anytime we have a challenging decision come up or a challenging situation, or we are torn between two options, really the best decisions and the best outcome is when we come back and we stick truly to our core values as a brand. And when we stick to our fundamental mission as a brand, and then the answer ends up being extremely clear and we have the best outcome. It's when we get an influence from some outside source that kind of makes us question things, or if we get someone's opinion that, that, you you know, and it doesn't quite match, but maybe we could make it work Oftentimes, if we really get back to the core values of our brand and remind ourselves why we created it in the first place, we end up with the absolute best path forward. I think it's great that you both support that idea of diving in head first, because typically that's not what we're told. 
we're told you need to have a plan. You need to have all your ducks in a row, even though half the time it's not even ducks. And we're told you need to know exactly what you're going to do or you're never going to succeed. But I actually think that we're seeing more and more a lot of these businesses we never thought we'd need are born out of kind of these crazy ideas of let's just do it. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm a big believer. You don't have to have it all figured out. You're going to figure it out on the way and you're going to figure it out better on the way, you know? So it's such like, take those steps. Action is so incredibly important. And again, it doesn't have to be huge action. I'm not saying, you know, take these huge steps, but just get an activity because you learn through that process. And that, that learning is so, so valuable. Planning is still important. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Planning is still important. Don't get me wrong. But but I think so many people get caught in that phase and never take action. You're right. It's it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Coming up with the business plan, doing all the steps, especially when they tell you it's like a 30-page business plan. I think people get overwhelmed. They get scared away. And it's kind of almost like it's set up to do that, to deter those who aren't really hundred percent in it. But again, there's so many business. I'm, I'm pretty sure like even Twitter and all them were born in somebody's basement on a thought. So it's, it, it's obviously working. <laughs> so true. And now I know Melanie, we talked a lot about your background and education. Um, maybe Kelly can touch on this a little bit more. How do you guys think that your career experience prepared you to be in this industry. Um, Because even though it is still, you know, kind of health related, it's, it's a shift into, you know, sales, basically you're selling a product. Yes. It it kind of aligned with, with my career because I was in pharmaceutical sales. Um, So I had that sales background and, and also had, you know, an MBA and things like that. So I had that education, but I will say, and it kind of goes back to what we're talking about, what I learned in school or even what I learned um, through my companies, you know, management training and all of that was nothing compared to what I learned launching Crunchy and going through the business. You learn so much going through, you know, actually doing the activities, Uh, you know, it's, it's really night and day. And that's why I'm such a proponent of start get into activity start because you'll learn so much more than you can't you can't learn the same way from a book or from a training that you can in hands-on real life so does your skill set complement each other then kelly's got the background in sales mel has the background in um you know I mean, I guess you both have the pharmaceuticals. I shouldn't say that, but the the understanding the health perspective of it. Um, and does does that work? Do you guys butt heads on some of these things? Is there a difference of opinion? I, honestly, after working together for as many years as we have, I would I'm surprised how rare it is that we do butt heads and have conflict. A lot of times it is. Uh, a lot of times we don't even have to ask each other because we know what the other will, how they will respond or feel. It's just kind of, we'll run it by and say, I have a feeling you're going to like this or not like this, but tell me your, I'll always say to Kelly, give me your visceral reaction and I'll just show her something. <laughs> I'll be like, cut to the chase. Just tell me what your thoughts are. Okay. That's what I thought. Or, okay, maybe a little different. I didn't see it that way. Um, but that's definitely, you know, one of the reasons that we have, been as successful as we have I feel is we have that skill set and also too data is important and numbers are important and objective information is so critical in business and removing emotions from a decision is so critical at the end of the day 
our intuition oftentimes is how we got here. <laughs> so we find the balance between combining your subjective and objective data. And that's ultimately where we, we land. Okay. That's great. Uh, I mean, how many partnerships fall apart because you can't get along? You in theory think you can work with your best friend, but then when you do, it's always like my husband too, we shouldn't. I'm like, no, no, I'll never work with you. Never, ever. I like living with you. We'll never work together. So true. It's that, yeah, it's so true. But I think that goes back to that reflection piece too and making sure that you are looking at yourself and saying, how can I be better? How can I show up better? I know that my weaknesses are Mel's strengths. We really complement each other very well. Um, and so I think it's kind of like a yin and yang. And we mm -hmm. know that about ourselves and our relationship. So it, it, it works. But also because we've done that, I guess, whatever you would call it, personal development or development piece to, uh, to know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always improving. I think that that's a philosophy that both of us value. Okay. How can I get better at this? How can I improve this? We are big, big fans of real-time feedback <laughs> in all aspects of business. Cause how do you know how to improve if you were, if you, if you're not aware or if you're not told or if it's not obvious, there are so many times where something can uh, something can happen and somebody's looking through this lens somebody else is looking through this lens and if you don't communicate about it you're completely oblivious to those other other viewpoints and that's definitely a life lesson that we've both learned along the way yeah i mean i'm i'm still in corporate america and i think that that's lacking in a lot of corporations people are too hard too afraid to say anything anymore in order to hurt feelings. But sometimes the feedback is what's needed, especially to help people grow. 100%. So where do you guys see Crunchy in five years? That is a, a great question. We really see ourselves to be a leader in clean beauty and personal care. And really for us, the biggest thing is we want to be a brand that people immediately associate safety, performance, and sustainability with. Those are our three core values. Like Mel was saying earlier, when we have tough decisions, we go back to why we started, who we are. And it's really those three things, safe products that perform, that are sustainably packaged. So we want to build a brand that when you see Crunchy, you know you can trust that brand. You know it's going to have safe ingredients. It's going to perform and it's going to be packaged sustainability, sustainably. You do not have to worry about reading ingredients or anything like that. Um, that's our goal and our vision for this company. Now we are in clean beauty right now and we've got, um, you know, always looking um, beyond that uh, for the next, you know, five years in our vision. But for right now, we're really focused on being that leader in that clean beauty personal care space. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add a little bit to that too, just because I'm so passionate about those, those four, those three core values, the safety performance and sustainability are so critical, critical to us because of what we've watched around us. And that really is why we launched in the first place. We were so tired of greenwashers. They exist everywhere. We are we knew it could be done. Um, we, we knew that it could be done and in a way where women did not have to compromise. So that is really what fueled us from that. Okay, we can be transparent with our ingredients. We can do the due diligence in terms of cho choosing ingredients from a safety perspective. We are going to use efficacious level of active ingredients and not just sprinkling in a marketing 
um, percentage just for the sake of selling a product, which it blows my mind how common that is. The fact that we actually have to make an effort and have these discussions with <laughs> our manufacturers and our um, formulators in order to assure time and time again, no, this is accurate. This is a priority to us. And then also investing in um, packaging and components that truly are sustainable. So there's so much talk out there about sustainability and it's a buzzword and everybody's doing it because it's trendy, but at the end of the day, it's where your dollars are spent. So it is absolutely, um, as you can imagine, a, a massive uh, investment and commitment in terms of making sure we use the least amount of plastic possible instead of saying, oh, let's use virgin plastic and then we'll throw a recycling symbol on it and hope it ends up recycling. So the, that piece is huge to us. And um, part of that involves the um, our commitment to the anti-plastic movement. And at this time, 100% of our primary packaging is actually plastic free, which I don't know that there's another color cosmetic or um, skincare company today that can make that claim, uh, which is pretty, pretty exciting and obviously very passionate about it. <laughs> no, that's great. It kind of even covers, you know, what sets you apart from others in the industry. I like that you've touched on how many people are greenwashing. Um, I, th I think it's just a movement that we've been in for the past five to 10 years. A lot of people are going towards more clean everything in general, organic, natural. And I think it's important to see through and to know that not everything that is being marketed that way is necessarily 100% that. Exactly. It's challenging to be a consumer today. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> We try to make it as clear as possible, but it's definitely, definitely challenging. There's a lot of myth busting involved and a lot of helping people understand. And it's definitely frustrating, but we just keep, keep trying to educate. We really try to lead with education. Right. And I've had um, a few interviews this year, you know, where we've just basically talked about getting back to basics. And I think even right down to even your skincare and products that you're using on yourself, the more basic, the better. If you can pronounce everything that's in it and um, even recognize some of the of what's in it, you're doing better because I think we are coming out of a generation where everything was so packaged and full of fillers um, that we're all in a way trying to reverse the damage because it's not as good for us as they said it was going to be. No, absolutely. That's, that's critical. So... I've been asking all year to my guests, you know, what do you think the current trend is in your field industry? But we're getting so close to 2024. What do you guys see coming up for 2024 in your industry? Um, it's 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 interesting because when we attend these conferences that, you know, talk about the trends and talk about what's coming and so forth, uh, there's a piece of us that is extremely gratifying <laughs> and validating because we really are already focused on those things because the reality is the consumers are becoming more educated that it's becoming more confusing to be a consumer um, but consumers are asking more and more questions so things that we have prioritized since day one are what consumers are looking for which is that level of transparency paying attention to ingredient safety, making sure you're taking into account things like 
ingredient efficacy, understanding that the ingredients you're putting in your products are actually there to do a function and being able to back that up and with science. And then also a huge focus and a huge movement of sustainability. And again, that's been a priority since day, day one. And we just keep upping our game each year um, and finding different ways to do that and trying finding different ways to make that clear to our consumers so that they can quickly glance at our brand and recognize, okay, they understand safety. They understand why this is important. Uh, and they understand performance and they understand that this, this is the single use item is something we don't want to haunt us for the rest of our lives and the rest of future generations lives. We need, we need a better solution. We want to be part of that solution. Yeah, I'll just add that it's really just that conscious consumer. I think in 2020, 2024, you consumers are conscious. They want to be able to buy from a brand that they know is truly safe. They can trust. Um, they're going to get the performance. They don't have to compromise on safety. They don't have to compromise on performance. And they're going to do their research. And that's something that we love because we've got so much great data and um, we've gone the extra mile on all of our products, every single ingredient. So um, we love a conscious consumer. So we're excited to see that really blossom and grow in 2024. That's great. Um, I mean, yeah, we've touched on that kind of our whole conversation that conscious consumers um, and even those that don't know what's going on are leaning more towards that. Do you think that that's a push um, from the beauty industry that there are so many of these companies coming out? Um, or is it you know, I hate to throw social media in there, but everybody watches YouTube videos and TikTok. So we know that that's where it's at. Do you feel like that's where the push is coming from or? I I feel that social media does have a massive influence currently on consumers in general, because it is the first time that we have a platform for okay. anyone. <laughs> okay. and, you know, we're taught to look through a critical eye and make sure that we're understanding where this information is coming. So there can be a downside to that, but the, the positive side to that is it's an opportunity to really pull back the curtain, mm -hmm. to really educate people that are listening. And there are some people that do it extremely well in terms of encouraging consumers to ask those questions and consu encouraging consumers to recognize that on their ingredient label, that there's a single ingredient that can actually be a loophole for anywhere up to 4,000 additional ingredients that we know nothing about and that could be potentially causing harm to our bodies. Um, I, I absolutely feel that social media has played a role in that and in, in, in fueling and inspiring consumers to ask more questions. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for me today, guys. It has been so great talking to you. A lot of great information, good questions asked. For all my listeners, you can check out Crunchy Collection on Instagram. I am also going to have the link on my website as well as a link to the website. Um, feel free to take a look through, check out all the products on the website. Looks like you guys have some holiday packages going for the upcoming season. So um, for everybody, take a look at that. And um, again, it's been great talking to the both of you this morning. Thank so you great so to much. connect. Thanks so much, Sarah.